date of recording, the 23rd of April, 2021. Welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Media with Vedant Okari. For today's episode, we're talking about communication during COVID-19. And my guest for today is Mr. Jordan Stecker. Hey, Jordan, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time last time I spoke with you, and I'm so glad I got the chance to do it again. So do you just want to quickly reintroduce yourself? Absolutely. So hi, everyone. My name is Jordan Stecker. I am a senior at Ithaca College studying integrated marketing communications with minors in education and psychology and others as well. Uh, after I graduate from Ithaca, I will begin my graduate school journey at Columbia University Teachers College, where I'll be studying psychological counseling and school counseling. That is very interesting. I mean, congratulations on Columbia. That is, that is great. Thank you very much. Thank you. And so what exactly got you interested in learning all these things with education and psychology? Yeah, absolutely. So I spent um, many summers working with kids. I mean, I have many children in my own family. I have about seven nieces and nephews. Um, so, um, one of a many nation. Um, but over summers, the last six summers, I've actually worked at a very specialized day camp. And it was called Sunrise Day Camp, and it's actually a camp for kids who have cancer. Now, it's a very emotional uh, place and a, a beautiful place. It, it really, I think, in my mind, provides a mass amount of miracles for those in need. But as someone who really kind of grew up in the camp, because I started when I was going into 11th grade, and I basically, I did it last summer with going into my senior year of college, I realized that through this journey, I want to work with kids. I want to impact kids. I want to communicate with kids and help them grow. And so that's that's been really kind of my foundation. And over time, I realized I wanted to do it in schools. I want to have different components of like development and activities and career and college. But when it comes down to it, I think that communicating and forming relationships and helping others is really what I want to do. Yeah, I think it's incredibly important for kids, adolescents, really anybody to develop communication skills. With the pandemic going on, I think it's especially even more important than ever before, I would argue, in modern history. So how has your communication changed during the pandemic? Yeah. So for me personally, I'll talk about my context first. So I left my, I suppose, my regular life, like everybody else, around the beginning of March last year. Right. Whereas I was normally a college student, you know, a lot of friends, very social, so on and so forth. Due to the onset of the pandemic, I was forced to come home and I have been home ever since. It's been about 14, 15 months at this, uh, about 14 months at this point. And so it has been certainly interesting because the only people who I've really communicated with in person have been my parents and dog. And my sister is, I think, maybe I get to see them maybe once every couple of weeks, socially distanced. And I think one family friend that has been the only people who I've seen in the last 14 months. Now, aside from that, every single communication that I, any, any type of communication I have done with another person has been completely electronic based, whether it has been over Zoom, over another like online plat platform, or a telephone. And so when it comes down to communication, just the actual like context itself has been completely like rearranged. Um, and I, it won't, I probably still won't, I mean, I will be in Ithaca for graduation, 
that will be the first time I'm seeing anyone in mass in probably about a year and a half by that point. So it's, it's, it's really, really crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And I feel like you're definitely not the only one who feels that way, especially because as you mentioned, you are an extrovert. And yeah. I feel like extroverts had it even harder. I mean, I don't know, I'm not an introvert, but I'd imagine that somebody who's used to a lot of uh, constant daily interactions would feel um, I don't want to speak on behalf of you, but I guess isolated. Would that be a good way to describe uh, your situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's here's my perspective. So I, I have two two ideas as a response, essentially. I think for extroverts, especially me, to be kind of pulled out of our normal homeostasis, I thrive personally when interacting with others, when entertaining others sometimes in my, in my various jobs. And for that all to be significantly diminished has definitely impacted my mental health. Now, I will say I and others have worked extremely hard to try to, to, try to help solve that to a certain extent, whether it be like having programs online or, or, or trying to just call friends whenever possible. But it's definitely been difficult. I will argue this, though. A lot of people think that introverts find it maybe easier to go through a pandemic isolated than extroverts. Now, it certainly might very well be, but here's what I would argue. Those who are introverts still need others and still want to be connected. The difference, though, is that a lot of times the difference between an extrovert and an introvert will be like the force that's kind of pushing them with others. So for me, as an extrovert, I will almost always push myself to do something or, or be in front of others, so on and so forth. Whereas introverts, sometimes they are themselves forced um, to be with others. And I think to, to a large extent, that still does something for others in terms of recognizing the power of community, recognizing the power of relationships. But I will say, I, I, I know that introverts are suffering, especially. I know I have some, some friends who are in a darker place than I am. So, so it's, it's, it really is across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, I was wrong. I shouldn't have categorized. No, 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 no. No, absolutely. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think, and this is very, very psychological, I think it really depends on the individual. Right. Because I have an introvert friend who is thriving right now. He's never been happier. And I have another introvert friend who's like, I don't want to go back to classes. I don't want to. Like, I'm, I'm this computer, my best friend. But uh, I, have an, I have some introverts who are like, oh, like, this is getting tiring. So you're right. And that's for some cases, 100% is. For other cases, it's, 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 it's shockingly different. So it kind of depends. Mm -hmm. And even with online events, it can't completely replace seeing people in person. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%, 100%. Humans are pack animals. And obviously there are some exceptions, but humans are pack animals. Whether you choose to be at the center of the, of the pack, be at the like perimeter of the pack, or just talk with one person as part of your pack. Humans are pack animals. And it's the fact that we are communicating and connecting almost entirely virtual, it impacts us and it takes us away from that nature of who we are. And it's, it's, it's very serious. Would you say the same applies to, you mentioned you've been doing remote classes for a little over a year now. Would you say also in education or just when interacting with your peers? Oh, I totally think over education. And, and that kind of stems back to the way people learn. 
You know, and, and within theories of educational psychology, there are different um, concepts of the way in which people understand things best. So for me personally, I'm a, what, what would be called a kinesthetic learner, mm-hmm. meaning I learn by hands-on work, whether it be giving a presentation, activity, so on and so forth. But when it comes to having online learning, that entire philosophy of like pedagogy has been largely removed from uh, my my um, my education. And it's been very impactful. I mean, luckily, listen, I'm adaptable, but there are some people who are not as adaptable who are certainly suffering. And it has affected all types of learners because people who are visual learners, right? To see, to see, to have to squint on a screen and, you know, look over here, people who talk things out loud, the amount of like limited talking you do in a class online, it's, it's affected thing like learning across the board. So hundred percent. Yeah. And also with instructors, because I feel like almost all of them are trying their best, but there are technological issues. Sometimes zoom won't work or zoom just isn't optimized for a lot of classes. Um, like I, I've heard cases of maybe PT majors, the physical therapy majors, occupational therapy majors, not being able to do zoom classes because therapy, occupational therapy and physical therapy are very hands-on majors. And I'm a communications major. I'm a television production major. And so for classes like studio production, you can't do that over Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones, I like to say, because um, I threw the class, like, for example, this semester I'm taking like a psychology class, like a public relations class, um, and actually an acting class. I'll get back to that one. But, um, but for the most part, I've been very lucky in the fact that the learning that I've had to do with my classes has been easily like a applied online and stuff like that now acting that's the whole other challenge um and especially i think those those like majors and, and courses which specifically depend on like technology and software and hard and hardware and stuff like that that's those are students are going to suffer the most mm-hmm. and it's it's really tragic um but 100 percent, i i i i'm in a good place because things happen to work out but when it comes to academics um it's, it's challenging. When it comes down to education and professors, there's been a lot of professor and teacher bashing across the board. And that's kind of difficult because I think one of the most crucial elements of uh, discussions and communication that, that has been really, really, really changed, and it's really kind of ugly, it's the way in which we talk about others over COVID. Mm-hmm. I think that especially when when professors are completely forced to kind of uproot their their style of teaching and their and their ways of communicating with others, students have not given their professors any slack. And I think it's kind of sad. I mean, there have been times where I mean I haven't said anything, and I kind of regret not speaking up at the time, where students and others have bashed people who who I mean have given them work. And it's kind of upsetting because one of the most important things to acknowledge in a pandemic, is that we're all humans and that all of us have our own issues now, either issues that might've happened before COVID even happens or now the death of a relative, the, 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 like the pushing of relying on internet solely as a means of interacting, the amount of pressure that people have, not only, I guess, maybe for other aspects of their life, you know, maybe, maybe having to be forced to work from home or having a kid who can't go to school and you take care of them. And in addition to all the other work that you would have ordinarily done, it's kind of disappointing to see that we have really lost the humanity within our communication. I also feel like it's kind of pushed this workaholism normalcy among 
students and probably that expectation is being pushed on professors because they're expected to be online available all the time, whereas they have a life. They have kids to worry about if they have any or a relative, and some of them are financially strained because of the pandemic. And so I agree with you that, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are some professors who are just objectively bad during this time, but I feel like most of them should be given some slack because, quite frankly, a lot of students have been getting slack from uh, other professors. Oh, yes, 100%. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. We need, to, we need to accept what has happened in our society. And part of that acceptance is acknowledging the impact it has had on others. Not only can we say, you know, I'm having a difficult time, but our thoughts, emotions, and actions need to be reflective of others. Mm -hmm. And we have lost that so much. And I would even go further to say, there is a lot of conflict in society right now. Political, economic, educational, social issues, like it's one right after the other. Because a lot of people are lacking like, um, I guess other activities they would be doing, hobbies, so on and so forth. It's fueling the flames of their aggression. And so, for example, when we see right now people attacking each other online, or people like, you know, um, I mean, and they take a college sense, having like this battle between like college versus other. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And in reality, I don't want to be like, you know, start saying platitudes, but we need to all calm down. We need to all relax our hormones and kind of breathe. Because as opposed to be, being able to make peace with ourselves and others during a pandemic, there's been war after war after war in society. And it's just, I, I've been trying to stay out of it as much as possible, um, but it's, it's, really, it's really a shame. Mm -hmm. And so do you have any possible suggestions for how we can improve communication among ourselves during the pandemic? Yes, oh, absolutely. So I have like four suggestions, but I'll, minimum, I'll, I'll, I'll keep minimal. First, we need to act and speak with empathy. I feel like I just gave a whole like speech on that like a second ago but we need to recognize that. Second, because we are communicating almost solely over technology, we have to recognize the fact that things might be interpreted in different ways. And what I mean by that, I mean, it's the obvious, you know, for example, if you have caps lock on when you're typing to someone, it typically, you know, symbolizes anger or aggression. But it's the same thing now when you say something over a sentence, over a text, or like, for example, if you say, if you tell someone, I would like you to do this, please, it might be seen as like a demand. It might be seen as a, as a kind request. It might be seen as something thoughtful. And so really, you know, when we are the um, senders of communications, we are, when we are the producers of messages, we have to keep that in mind. The last thing I will recommend is this. We have to remember that there is an art of discourse. Discourse is really, you know, the idea of how do we speak to one another when we're not actually getting along. And, you know, if we look back in history, we see a huge transition. And I'm going to give you a very, really easy example, right? When it comes to, again, totally random, presidential debates, mm -hmm. right? If we look back a few hundred years, there was very little shouting at one another. It was much more cordial. It was polite. And it wasn't focused on attacking the other person. 
nowadays, especially look at the one that was based on 2020, it is exactly that shouting and blaming and name calling and this and that. And I think that it really serves as a great example of what society is going through right now. We need to remember to be cordial, even if we don't get along. And we need to, you know, recognize that there might be a time where we will never able, be able to convince someone to change their opinion or thoughts about something. But that doesn't mean we get to attack the individual. So that's something that's so important to communication because so many people do it wrong and it just hurts, hurts themselves, hurts the relationship, it hurts the other person. So it just things that we often forget. I agree. I mean, especially during the pandemic, there were already a lot of issues going on as social, economic, uh, racial, there's all sorts of inequalities and frustrations and they have the right to be upset over these things. But I feel like it, it feels like social media during the pandemic just exploded and a lot of them were cordial, but there are also a lot of uh, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, just shouting at people. And it, it was super draining to watch it all the time. It makes sense. I'm not saying it's understandable, but it makes sense in the fact that when people need social interactions, where else are they going to go? Because if you can't see your friends in person, if you can't, you know, read the daily newspaper with a friend, so on and so forth, you're going to get it on social media. But whereas that platform, you know, I think has its purpose and definitely without a doubt brings good things to society, an explosion like that is never a good thing. There is no such thing as a good explosion, whether it be uh, focused on positive or negative things, there is no such thing as a good explosion because in reality, it's an explosion by itself, it just means too much at one time, whether it be, you know, a a firearm, God forbid, or just like a... Uh, a hypothetical explosion. It's never a good thing. And we see that all across social media. I think the best thing, honestly, if, if someone is able to do so, the best thing that they can, someone can do right now is hold off on their social media at least one day a week, maybe more, and just kind of live in the moment. Even if it's your own house, finding that own like communication you can do with a friend, socially distanced, or over a phone call. Just get get yourself out of the www.coms. Mm-hmm. And since you're an educator and you're very, very well-versed in psychology, you want to talk about the future. Um, so how do you feel like the pandemic is going to affect children of today and in the near future? They're dubbing upcoming children Generation C or Generation Corona. Mm. How do you feel? Interesting. So, I mean, I will say this. I mean, I, I, I would consider myself an educator in the fact that, you know, I do work to help others and, and teach some lessons and maybe not specifically in the classroom. Um, but I, I certainly would consider myself to be at least an educator of others. Um, I wouldn't consider myself, though, an expert. Maybe I, I would say I do know quite a bit of psychology. But I wouldn't consider myself an expert. Right. But here, here are my thoughts. In the, I've taken like three classes on developmental psychology, and I will continue to take more in my master's levels. Within theory of developments, there are something called critical stages. Mm-hmm. And you, you might know this. I know that you studied psychology yeah. well, right? And along people's childhood and adolescence, each stage includes a variety of social and emotional variables that impact people as they grow older. And this is part of the reason why when someone needs to have a therapist or, or go to therapy or, or seek counseling, a lot of times a counselor will say, or, or I mean, sometimes it's, it's overly done, but we'll talk about, oh, well, I see this in your childhood. Talk about, you know, talk about your relationship with your mom, talk about your relationship with your siblings, your best friend, yada, 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 or bullies, so on and so forth. 
but it's, it, it's 100% true. And the fact that these critical stages impact us. So let's look, let's look at that through the uh, context of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest variables when it comes down to our developments is our interactions with people our own age. And this specifically helps with like the the uh, notion of like the individual versus like industry or industry versus inferiority, so on and so forth. When we are a child, we look at our peers as either examples of things that we ourselves want to be, things that kind of show us who we are, or ways in which that we are more lucky. And when you pluck a child out of that context, it affects how they treat others, including their family, and how they will grow as a person. So to have a class completely online, um, or to have play dates or get togethers completely online, kids will lose almost all of those variables. Mm-hmm. It's actually funny, I'm actually writing like a whole like a whole project and paper on this for my honors class. Every variable, well, not I would say probably 90% of the variables that impact kids are affected by coronavirus. So the future of our of our children, like our children and, and their future, they will not be in the best place. You are, we are going to see a mass influx of counselors, school counselors, mental health counselors, psychologists, community organizers, teachers. It will be completely ramped up. I mean, it'll, it'll be beautiful because it'll be beneficial for me when I need a job. But it will it won't be great in the fact that so many kids will be harmed. And there's really there's not much we can do. I mean, we can ask our teachers to be more uh, adaptable. Like we've already said, you know, teachers are humans. And we cannot treat them like robots. And we cannot say, you know, a child is ultimately responsible. A teacher is ultimately responsible for their students. Because you might have heard this. It takes a village. really takes a village. And so even, even the way that, like, parents are relating to their children and family members. And, I mean, a huge, I mean, I can't even think of a better example of coronavirus impacted society is touch. Our ability to interact and touch one another, high five, a hug, a kiss, a handshake, putting your arm around, putting your arm around a best friends. And don't even get me started about the whole like sexual aspects of this. It will have a tremendous impact. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying as soon as a child gets out of the pandemic, I want you to give him a big hug and just down the line of huggers. I'm not saying that would be maybe completely beneficial. But especially in the future, when it comes down to future generations, we will always have to remember the impact that this generation will have. Yep. And I think a year ago, I read that post-COVID-19 is going to be called the Great Realization because we'll be so deprived of human interactions that we'll be super kind to one another. But like you mentioned, it takes a village. It does. It does. And sometimes, sometimes... The best realization comes after the most trauma. Mm-hmm. I'm reading, I, I'm actually taking a class right now called The Psychology of Meaning and Suffering. And we're talking a lot about grief and a lot about making meaning out of your grief. And a lot of psychologists will offer that the grief stages will go as they come. But at the end of, 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 Mourning, because we are mourning. We are mourning society. We are mourning our like natural human experience and a lack thereof. There will be an opportunity for us to see a bigger picture. 
I'm not saying we can justify, you know, this big thing saying, oh, well, it was worth, coronavirus was worth it because it will likely, that will likely never happen. I'm not saying it should because so much sadness has come out of this, but rather some people will be like, will listen and say to themselves, you can only live once, right? My life, I will only have this one time. There was a time of pandemic where so many people had passed away, so many people had lost relatives. Well, now, now that that is over, some people will say this probably years in the future, I want to live my life to the fullest extent because I, I want to live in honor of those who have passed or because my life could end at any point, and that's why life is worth living. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you made a good point about interacting with like children interacting with each other with play dates and hanging out over Zoom or other video chat services. But I feel like it could also depend on this whole digital divide where I know a lot of people who don't have technology and so they're just shut in all day with their family. And that could worsen if the family members aren't someone who they have a very healthy relationship with. So digital divide could have a huge impact also on these kids. 100%. You know, I actually, I know a story. I have a story from a friend who was emailing a group of people and I forget what the context was, but it was emailing a group of people and basically everyone in this email, you know, they're talking about different things and then getting together and so on and so forth. And on this group of people, one person would never respond to the sender. And everyone asked, you know, why is this person not responding? Oh, this person doesn't care about us. Oh, this person is too busy for us. Oh, this person, you know, uh, is irresponsible with their communication with others. In reality, that person had limited access to internet. And so they would probably get the computer for about one day a week, maybe at the library or something like that. So when we speak of a digital divide, it certainly exists. And we have to remember that. You know, um, I, uh, this is kind of funny, but I worked at a camp last, last, last summer, as I, as I mentioned, and the camp was entirely online. And so the question was, right, if a family only has, let's say, hypothetically one or two computer, but they have more than like two kids, who gets the computer? Because if camp is happening, why should, why, like, what's the decision in terms of what kids can participate what day? Because again, the camp is meant for everyone. How do people decide that? And so even that, it really was really eye-opening for me because I never thought of that before, before that occurrence. The digital divide exists. And you know, forget about people with economic uh, uh, inequities for a second. Even people who are older, I feel horrible for them because people either can't understand this, 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 like, the um, technology that we use all the time, and they're probably incredibly lonely recognizing that some people might have access is so important because when we as as communicators project something a message or emotions or something we have to understand that not everyone will get it and not, not i'm not talking about understanding but literally physically digitally get the message and so we need to accommodate that need if we really want to communicate with others and that might include, you know, snail mail. That might include a phone call. People, I mean, people are so afraid of a phone call. I have a whole thing about that. But we need to be inclusive because I think that aspects of economic, economic and social like issues are often ignored when it comes to being inclusive. So I think that's really, really important. They are. And I feel like, especially for people like us, and I'm not, I'm not blaming us specifically, not necessarily our faults. Um, I feel like society that has access to Zoom and internet is really takes it for granted, I feel like, especially during online learning. Oh, sure. I mean, it's not anyone's fault. It's not anyone's fault. But I think, 
I was in seventh grade when I got my first cell phone. I was in a 12th grade. No, I was in going into college when I got my first laptop. Because I feel like, you know what's so funny? One of the things I started doing before I go to bed every night is I turn my phone completely off. Because sometimes if I would wake up in the middle of the night, I would check my phone and then whoop, there goes an hour. So I, I think that, you know, it has been so ingrained in our society and it's become like you know like okay like almost like an additional like arm or leg you know i walk around i hold my cell phone all right you know i'm going slowly i'll put my cell in my pocket it's been so ingrained in our society that we have to acknowledge that there are people who either can't afford one don't have one and because of that we need to do better yeah and so I want to talk about something else, and that's, again, focusing on the future. Um, There's been a lot of discussion that even after the pandemic, we're going to continue remote learning to a certain extent and start doing um, businesses and jobs online to a certain extent and stop going to movie theaters and stop seeing people as much in general. Um, Do you have any thoughts about that possibly happening? Hmm. So... As always, I have a couple of thoughts. I think that some people are saying that because that's what they want to happen because they've become comfortable in that type of scenario where I can literally go downstairs like at 9 a.m., start work, stop for lunch, do whatever, then come back to the computer and I don't have to commute. I don't have to have any additional like physical responsibilities. Perfect, done. And I think that people have become very comfortable with that. And so when people are talking about hypotheticals, in psychology, you know, we believe things that we want to happen. So I think that that might be somewhere where that comes from. Now, do I think that this will remain the norm? Absolutely not. And the reason why is because people cannot take this. People might say that they can, but in reality, they can't take this. I think that, again, the data is not specifically there yet, but based on the conversations I've had with, with like psychologists and other like humans, the depression rates the anxiety rates, and honestly, probably, I don't know about this specifically, but the suicide rates are being blown up astronomically. We need to go back to normal. We do. We do. You know, I'm a fan of history. I've taken a bunch of history courses. If you look back, and I'm not talking about like 10 years, I'm talking about it historically, like centuries and decades and, and millennia, right? We have seen times where society has broken down. Right. So we see we've seen I mean, if you go all the way back, you know, at the end of the Greek Empire, you know, society kind of fell apart. And, you know, we never really knew what would happen. Many, 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 many hundreds of years later, we see the Dark Ages where, you know, there is there is society and then boom, gone and then things come back with the Renaissance. And then we see, you know, um, Black Plague and the Spanish flu and all these different types of large things that society has had. Even honestly, even wars society is never going to be perfect. Now, I think it's funny to a certain extent because it's been a very long time since we've seen something so big as the coronavirus and affect all of like the entire earth, basically. But society has always readapted. I think that there's something to be said for resilience. And through our resilience, we have to have the strength to kind of go back to normal and even have a better normal where, you know, maybe one day a week we do have, you know, online work or online classes because it'll give people, like, you know, the ability to kind of relax a little bit. We've seen how it sometimes it's helpful. But I do not think for a second that if we stayed in the society, it would be beneficial either to our communication skills, our social psyches, or just our race in general. Because we are not meant to 
talk over a computer. We're not. We're, we are not. If you know, you know what this reminds. You know, you, you know what this reminds me of. What? This reminds me of Wally. Wally. Yep. This reminds me of Wally. Where you know, you know, people eventually they go on this new like social atmosphere, right? Fine. People start, you know, playing games with another and doing that. And all of a sudden, one guy sitting in a chair is in front of a screen. Then all of a sudden, the entire every character, every human is all of a sudden now sitting in a chair, staring at a screen. Not even. I mean, I don't know if you know the scene now. That there's two guys talking with one another. One's over here, one's over here. All they're doing is staring at the screen, not realizing that they're literally like a foot next to each other. And so I think it would be horrific if we had the ability to go back to normal and we as a society decided not to. I want to add to that, you know, this pandemic has shed such a light on the importance of interactions, daily interactions, as well as mental health, that this is really our chance to finally confront it. And it would be a grave human mistake if we didn't after this pandemic. And I think here's what we have to remember. We choose that. We choose what we do. We now, you, one person might say, and this is a whole argument versus like nature versus nurture and a man versus his environment, all that kind of, all the psychological mumbo jumbo. But I think we as humans have the ability to choose how we live in a society. If we choose to stay online an extra year, we'll have the choice. Some, some employers are saying, you know, if you don't feel safe going back to, you know, work yet, maybe you can have some extra time. Schools are saying, well, if we don't really want to get the vaccine, well, then maybe we can do an online learning, so on and so forth. It's a limited option probably, but it still exists. If we want to move on, both individuals, we need to accept, we need to accept that our choice will have an impact whether we decide to slowly be on virtual or solely or, or actually kind of emerge from society from this kind of imposed hibernation. And it's through that choice that we will, we will have. I mean, right now it's kind of forced upon us, but we will have, actually have that, for, have that choice to move on. Mm-hmm. And, and asking for you know, accommodations, saying I feel comfortable going to, back to work to your employer, that's where the choice comes in. I feel like imposed hibernation is a good way to describe the pandemic. Thank you. I thought of that myself. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think you mentioned something about phone calls. Would you like oh, to yeah. go over that? One of the things I do, and this happens about twice a week. It's so funny. I will have an hour and a half phone call with somebody at least twice a week. And more often it's with friends than with family because I see my family more in person. So that's easy, that, that's easy to do. But a lot of times at college... In so high school, camps, so on and so forth, I will have lunch with someone. And in our interactions, because it's a long conversation, we'll talk, we'll get deep. I think that we have an over-exuberance of small talk mm-hmm. that I think brings us no social value, no emotional value whatsoever. And I think that through phone calls, and it's literally just you with someone else, because part of the reason I say phone calls is because there's no distractions. If you're doing a phone call, right, you won't be emailing someone, you won't be like staring at a screen or, or typing an email in the middle of a conversation. A phone call is very genuine. And I think that it is so beneficial. I think that I mentioned empathy. I think that two other like points I would have to share that have to do with empathy. One is forgiving. A lot. It's so funny because people fight so easily. But especially, like, I feel like, and I said this earlier in terms of feeling the flames of, like, back and forth. When it comes to having a fight with someone, every person is so precious to everyone else in a pandemic. Because we see and talk to so few people in reality, and I'm not talking about social media, that's, that's, not, really, that's not really communicating. 
when you have a fight with someone, especially during a pandemic, it's like urgent that people forgive one another. Because if you don't and you have like a long lasting feud or fight or even, even an unspoken feud, it can do a reputable damage to someone because that's one last person you'll have to talk to. And so that's, and, and so that's something so important. And, and another thought I will share is also, not only do we have to keep those who are close with us close, but we have to, we should consider bringing people who are far from us closer. And so calling grandma at maybe the nursing home, literally knocking on the door of your neighbor, even with a mask on, be like, hey, like you are my neighbor, I care about you. It's so important. It really is. And, and it's not just important to like, you know, our social emotional selves, but to communication, because we as communicators are always communicating with communicating with new people. It's the art of like being human and the art of like the gift of gab. And so the more we can communicate with others, the more we can feel together. And it's the togetherness that we need most during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so do you have any final comments about anything we mentioned or something that you'd just like to mention yourself? I will say this, especially during a pandemic, there is no right way to do something. And I feel like in a lot of our discussions today, I feel like I kind of emphasize certain points that I totally agree with and I think are crucial. But like, for example, there are some parents right now, right? Today is April 23rd, who don't, know what they're doing with their child in two months when camp starts. Am I going to send my child to camp? Am I going to send my child to aftercare? Am I going to stay home? Is the, am I going to hire a nanny? All that kind of stuff. And so same thing with education. You know, if I'm doing an online class, should I have the class be online? Should I have the class be in person? Well, you know, a million questions after that. A lot of, I, I like to refer to this time as the completion of the pandemic because we see things kind of winding down. We see a vaccine. We see people kind of starting to interact with one another. We see more comfortability with like going places with the completion of Corona, we have to say there is no right way to get into society back. There is no right way to educate someone in schools. There is no right way to raise a child during a pandemic. A lot of it is gonna be, I'm gonna try this. Yes, it'll have an impact. But the biggest thing that comes from anything else that is affects communication and education and development, is care. We need to have care be a part of everything that we do. Because if we have care, it's the silver lining and the inspiration that can come with everything else, if that makes sense. It makes sense. Yep. That's all I have to say. All right, Jordan Secker, thank you so much for agreeing to be on this episode of Let's Talk Media, especially because you have finals coming up, so do I, and a lot of final projects are just coming all at once so thank you so much absolutely i listen i I love these i love this if you ever want me again i'm always happy to to talk because i think that podcasts are great because i think that we should share our thoughts Mm -hmm. i think we should share our thoughts and i appreciate the, the opportunity as always so thank you for that